gospel force, where we have been going through the book of Acts, and we have been looking at how the Holy Spirit has moved in the life of the early church believers. And so this morning, we are going to continue this teaching, and we're going to move towards what we will be doing next Sabbath. Next Sabbath, or next Saturday, has been our invite somebody to church Sabbath. Now, I know that it's probably ideal for us to invite people to church every Saturday. Isn't that true? Amen? Um, But in a very special way, this coming Saturday, we will be inviting people to share a message of hope and for us to share who Jesus has been to us and, and what we believe God's plan is for our lives. But before we get there, there is one final teaching to prepare us for that. And so if you have your Bible, I invite you to open to the book of Acts chapter 8. I sometimes have dreams <laughs> that I don't make it to church on time or that everybody is waiting, and today that was realized. I'm sorry, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around that, I feel. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said, said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. I want to stop there for a moment. It says, an angel of the Lord, and the Greek word is Eliasen. Now, I know we don't know Greek, and it really doesn't matter, but it does matter here, because what I found in the research is that it it should probably read, now an angel of the Lord whispered to Philip. Now, how many of you have ever been driving in the car? And we're not supposed to use our cell phones, and I know nowadays that these cars are equipped with Bluetooth and all that high-tech stuff, so as soon as you get into the car, if the phone rings, it takes over your stereo or whatever you're doing. Well, my car doesn't have that. Um, I have just a stock radio because I'm too cheap to upgrade to anything nicer. Uh, I grew up in a place where if you had something nice and your stereo, it wasn't there a couple of days later, so it just kind of stuck to me. So I don't have that. So what happens when I'm driving in the car, I have my phone. There's a little space for my phone on the, on, the, on the handle of the door, and that's where it is. Now, if I'm listening to the music or to talk radio or whatever it is, it's usually pretty loud, right? If the windows are down, it's pretty loud. And what happens is sometimes I miss a phone call from you. Sometimes I miss a phone call from my wife because I'm not listening because there is so much noise going on in the car. Has that ever happened to any of you? I think that sometimes when we encounter God, God whispers to us not because he's trying to make it difficult for us to hear him, but because sometimes in order to hear God's voice, we have to take the time to slow down and listen. And that's hard in a fast-paced world like we live in today. Now, Philip was a believer. He was one of the early church leaders, and it says that the Lord, or the messenger of the Lord, an angel, whispers to Philip, go to the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. We have the the gift of hindsight when we read the Bible. We already know, if we've read this story before, we kind of know that it's probably going to turn out pretty well. When we read the Bible and we hear these stories, we have the gift of hindsight, which means that if the story's in the Bible, it may turn out good. Chances are it's going to turn out good. It doesn't always, but it almost always turns out like happily ever after. 
But when the angel of the Lord whispers to Philip, he says, this is a desert place. Now, how many of us want to follow God's call in our lives? How many of us want that call to be clear and easy? How many of us want this call to not require too much discomfort from our lives? I do. I'm not going to lie. No one likes to be humbled. Nobody likes to be, you know, difficulty. But what we find in this story is that God tells Philip, go, and by the way, this will be a desert place. And when we think of a desert place, I've lived in the desert. I drove from the desert to the Riverside County many times, okay, when I was a pastor down there. And when you're in the desert, it's hot, it's dry, it's gross, it's ugly. In the summertime, you stay in air-conditioned places because it gets up to 127 degrees where where I was from. So Philip listens to God, and God says, go, it's a desert place, go, and the story continues that Philip goes. But it wasn't an easy journey. It wasn't take your GPS and go and get in your car, but it was just, look, just go. And God doesn't tell Philip where he stops or where he must stop. He just tells him, go. Would we say that Philip had faith? Amen. How many of you would like to have that kind of faith? Sometimes that kind of faith, all it requires is for you to take a step. They say that the journey of a thousand steps, and this is a, yeah, that's a cliche, begins with a single step. The journey of faith also begins with a single step. So I want to look at another very similar story in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, in 2011... It's easy for us to say, well, of course, Abraham, of course God was going to take care of Abraham. We already know how the story ends. He was to bless an entire, I mean, for all eternity, he was the father of every nation. But when God comes to Abraham, what he's in essence is saying is, Abraham, leave your father and your mother, your brother and your sister. Leave Everything that you have, everything that gives you security. Now, Abraham was probably from a wealthy family, so he had everything. He didn't need to go anywhere. Abraham could have lived out his life in relative calm and comfort. But what God was asking him to do is, in essence, leave all of this behind because I have something for you. There's a plan for you. There is something that I have developed for you, but you can't do it if you stay here. He was asking him to leave everything. What we don't know from this story is did he have a relationship with God beforehand? Because in his father's house, there may have been hundreds of other gods. That's how it was in the land of Ur. There was many gods. How did Abraham know that this was the God that he should follow? I believe that there had to be some relationship there, right? Because you don't, you don't just follow a voice. That's just being weird. I believe that Abraham had somehow, God had interacted with Abraham in a way that Abraham trusted him. What this is not 
and I stress this, is for you to leave your husband or your wife and your kids and go fulfill a mission that God has for you because I'm almost pretty certain, and this is prophetic right here, God is not asking you to leave your family that he gifted you. Amen? I, had a, I knew a friend in seminary. He wasn't in seminary, but he was a student there, much older than I was. And I asked him, you know, hey, what's your story? Where are you from? You know, we got to know each other because we lived in the dorm. And he says, you know, I, I came here because I felt like this is where God was calling me. I was a journalist in my country, but now I'm here because God wants me to go to seminary and be a pastor. The problem was he left the family, his wife and two kids, where he was from. And it wasn't in this country, it was somewhere else. And I remember getting upset, and I, I don't get upset very easily at people. I let people be who they are. But I said, you know, I, you need to go back because God has he gifted you that family. You don't, have the, you don't have the choice to leave. Not if you're trying to do God's will. Do you see what I'm saying? And he says, well, you know, he, did, he didn't like what I said, whatever. We didn't talk for a couple of days. And then he came back, and he says, you know, God is calling me to go somewhere where I don't know anybody. So I'm going to New Orleans. And at that, point, at that moment, I realized that is not how you read the Scripture. Because God had given him something beautiful. And he was to care and love them. But because it wasn't enough for him, he tried to go and do something else. But he used God's name for, in, in, to do that. Abraham's story he took his wife. <laughs> he took his kids. When God calls you to do something, he doesn't ask you to abandon the people he gave you. It's one thing to leave your, your mother and your father's house. If you're 35, you probably should. But it, that's one thing. It's an entirely other thing to leave the people you've covenanted to, to love. But here is what is crucial about this story that we also see in the other story. God doesn't just say, get up and leave. What does he promise Abraham? And I will bless you. And I will bless your offspring after you. God doesn't just ask us to do things just for the sake of them. He asks us to do things because through us, God will work powerful and miraculous ways. And God will bless us. When we feel like we're giving up so much, and come on, sometimes people, they don't want to get baptized. And I've had these conversations before, and I've talked to Sean about this, and Sean and I have the opportunity to continue to meet um, after this. And, and people often say, I don't want to be baptized because then I have to stop doing all kinds of things. I don't know what those things are. He didn't say that, but people in general. And people will say, I don't, I don't want to get baptized because then I think I'm going to have to change. I don't want to get baptized because then I think my life is going to be boring. And what I try to stress to them is, have you read the Bible? That's anything, the stories that we find in there are anything but boring. What we find in the scripture, if you take the time to read it, is that there are stories of God working miraculous things in the lives of people who believe in him, even people who don't fully believe in God. There is a story in the New Testament where there was a, a centurion man who may have had other gods, but he says, you know, I believe in you, Jesus, help my son. But then he says, but help my unbelief. The part I don't believe, the part where I'm doubting a little bit that, that this can happen, the centurion says, no, God, help me to believe. And God works miracles. We live 
in God's world. This is God's world and everything in it. And God is working to reconcile and redeem and renew and restore everything. Which is why I often, I often hate when people give the devil more credence than he deserves. The devil made me do it. The devil is this. The devil is that. But the scripture is clear that if God is for us, who can be against us? It's rhetorical. No one. And we must claim that victorious way of seeing the world. And so we continue in Acts chapter 8. And it says, Philip rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her, tre- of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. See, Philip didn't know exactly what God was calling him to do. Philip just knew that God was calling. Philip knew that if God calls, he will not leave you nor forsake you, and that he will be with you until the completion of what God has called you to do. So Philip took a step, a leap of faith, and he goes. And it wasn't until after he had shown that he believed that God was in control or or that God was sending him here, it wasn't until God was like, and I'm not saying God needs this, but just the way I read the story is that it took Philip to take that step of faith, and then God says, this is what I want for you to do. We don't know how long he was on that road. We don't know if he just went walking. Apparently he was walking because it says that he ran towards there. We don't know what kind of provisions he took, if he had water, if there was shade. We have no idea. We just know that when God calls, it's good for us to listen. But it's hard to listen when we have so many other competing voices in our lives. Before I was married, before I was a parent, I used to stand up in my first pastorate at the age of, I don't know, 24, and I would give parenting advice from the pulpit. Someone's laughing. It's it's funny now. And I would give this advice, and I was single, and I would give advice to married couples and to married men, and they would always, like, like same reaction, they would chuckle. They would always say, just wait till you get married. I don't know where I was going with that story. There's, I was going somewhere. I have no idea. There was a point, and I'll come back to that. I've been forgetting a lot of things lately. How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to sit with him. Sometimes when God calls us, we listen because we know God has been faithful to us. And we do what God is calling us to do because we see the stories in the Bible that God has been faithful. I know where I was going now. We have a lot of pressures in this life. There's work, 
we, and, and with the way the economy is going, then we stress a little bit, like, oh, am I going to have a job tomorrow? Am I not? Let me look for another job to supplement what I already have. So there's a lot of stress. And if you have kids, and like I said, I used to give parents uh, parenting advice. I used to give married couples married couples advice. <laughs> you know, I did all of that until I realized how hard it is to be to, have a, to be married, to have kids, to have a job, to have extracurricular activities. I used to think it was like, hey, just like me, I get to wake up in the morning, spend some time reading the scriptures and praying and journaling, and, but, you know, I didn't have kids to get ready in the morning. I didn't have, you know, to wake up and tell my wife I love her before she goes to work. I didn't have to do anything. And so I just, in my limited mind, I said, you know, this is what you should be doing, and you should wake up early if you can't get it done in time, you know, if you do all that until I realize how busy and how hard and complicated life can be when you have kids and when you're married and when you have a job and when you have extracurricular activities. And sometimes all of those things have the potential to drown out the voice of God if we are not careful. Sometimes all of that can shove out of the way God being at the center of our lives. And I believe that this story, as is is evident in the Bible and other places, that I think sometimes God speaks in a whisper because he wants us to really listen. Now the passage of Scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was this. Like a sheep, talking about Jesus, by the way, if you haven't read this before. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, He told him the good news about Jesus. This Ethiopian didn't even believe in Jesus yet. He had gone, sent by the by the by the queen of Ethiopia, who was who was considered a deity, a goddess, and a god. The king was a god. He is he, the Ethiopian, is her treasure. He goes to Jerusalem. He buys a very expensive scroll, the book of Isaiah. See, today we can download our Bibles on our apps. You know, I mean, we can download a Bible app on our phones or on our tablets and all of that stuff, and it costs 99 cents. Everybody has access to it. But in the first century, it was hard to come by. So he probably would have had to spend lots and lots of money to buy this one book of the Bible. And he just happened to be reading that part. Was this a coincidence or might this have been a divine encounter? Divine encounter? Okay, we interactive. Divine encounter. (laughs) Coincidence or was God moving things along? I have a friend who, sometimes the friends that we have, they up our faith. So I have a friend who's younger than me, okay, Who, who I give a hard time to all the time, who I tell him he's not as wise as I am. He's like three years younger than me. But one of the things that he does and says often is, the Lord will work it out. You know what? God worked this out. Hey, I was going to do this, and I wanted to, and I was passionate about it, but you know what? God had a different plan for me. 
You see, sometimes it's hard to say those things when we're going through difficulty, right? I mean, this guy had dreams and aspirations, and God says, nope, that's not what I want for you. What he doesn't know is that when he says those kinds of things, as much as I challenge him, it moves within me, and it reminds me that God is doing things in this world, and God is working in my life. This past, I know we're getting close to 12, so I have one quick story. Lou, do you mind if I share the story? So Lou, one of our, our members who is the leader of the prison ministry along with a couple other people, apparently what happens when you're a Seventh-day Adventist, people don't really know who we are. So our prison ministry, a, a, a group of about, what is it, eight of you? Six of you in this church. Um, go into, they, they were a part of a bigger group, a bigger Christian group, and what would happen is they would go into prisons. Is it, is it Theo, Theo Lacey? They would go in there and they would do religious services. So they would get up and share their testimony. They would preach from the Bible. They will read, doing good things, right? This was inside the prison with the doors. I've heard the horror stories the first time going, the doors closing behind you. Apparently it's surreal. I, I am to go there soon at some point if I pass their background check. And... And they were, they were passionate. If you, if you know who's in the prison ministry, I mean, these are people who, I mean, in essence, they in essence are risking their life going in there because I, I, from what I understand, you have to sign a release that says we're not going to rant, you know, we're not going to, like, if you're in there and you get caught, we can't, like, we're not going to, what is it? What, what is the word? We're not going to um, negotiate. Save you. Save you. <laughs> And what happened is that this group of, the, this umbrella group that, the, that this group, that our group was under, um, somebody went onto the internet and looked up Seventh-day Adventist stuff. And, and as, as you know, there's some good stuff on there. And there's always some stuff, somebody who has a gripe or something to pick with us will begin to say stuff. And so this group voted out our prison ministry. Now, you can imagine how difficult that would be for the people who are doing this. And so Lou, being, you know, the kind of person that he is, he's persistent. And so he went and talked to everybody he had to talk to through all the channels. And so yesterday we were given an appointment to meet with the people who are in charge of allowing people to come in and do religious services. I don't know their titles. You know, I have their cards, their business cards. And um, Lou, um, uh, Mike from Touch of Love Ministries, who does prison ministries, and myself, we went there and we sat um, with the deputy sheriff and with two other people, the administrator and another administrator i guess and uh, we told them you know our story and they were appalled at what had happened because they said you know we can't we can't believe this is this happened to you guys and we apologize it was never their prerogative to kick you guys out you see lou and myself we were like hey if they tell us we can't come into the prison then we can't come in and then we figure something else out we didn't know but we prayed beforehand Lou and the prison ministry, they have been praying for this. I have been praying for this. I know as elders, we've prayed about this. And so we have just been praying and pouring our hearts out and saying, Lord, like, if anybody needs to hear your message, I mean, everybody does, but, you know, we have a captive audience, you know, pardon the pun. And we went in there, I think almost resigned. And Lou, I only talked to you a little bit, but almost resigned like, hey, that's just the way it is. You know, they were, we, the, the prison ministry was going in on Sundays to do this. What we came away with and, and what, what, is, you know, what happens is sometimes when a door is closed, I know this is another spiritual cliche, but on this one, I got to say it, another door opens. They said that they would let us come in. 
And not only will they let us come in, but they said, hey, your day is Saturday. We're open all day. Like, no one else is using the facilities. Not only does it open up on Saturday for us to go in there, but now it opens up and Lou's going to be more busy and play less golf. But now he's going to have to help organize Orange County churches who want to be a part of this. Amen? Does God answer prayers? I mean, I, yeah, clap. That's... You know, when we see stories like that, Lou was just following what God was calling him to do. He doesn't know I'm talking. He didn't know I was going to do this. But Lou was just doing what he felt God was calling him to do. This, is, this has nothing to do with us. This has to do with the people in the prison who will hear the word of God, who will give their life to Jesus, who will give Jesus a chance. Not only will we be able to go into the prison, right? And if you want to be a part of this, you have to talk to Lou. Okay, but not only do we get to go in there, but we also found out about all of the other needs that these prisoners need when they come out of prison. Now, we're not asking you to come have them come to your house, okay? But there's so many things that a church like ours can do. The scripture says we must be there for the prisoner. And so this has opened up so many opportunities that God is now going to see if we will be faithful to fulfill this call to care, not just for the people that look and dress like us, but for the people that we may not have encountered beforehand. Philip followed God's call, and he came to the eunuch, and the eunuch says, I need help. And it says, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, Here is water. Now, when we read this story, we know this story. Here's the problem. Water is sparse in the desert. Coincidence or divine encounter? He says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When you take a step of faith, God will bless it and he will stay with you until you have completed that task. It's not always easy. It's not always clear. We often listen to other people and other people's opinions, and we, but God is saying, just listen to me, listen to the whisper, listen in your heart, and I will lead you. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself, okay, I'll finish the story, at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. That last part is just, you know, a little bit what happened after. I believe that what the psalmist writes, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That when you do and you taste... Your only reaction is to, in essence, surrender your life to this God. Because God is moving history forward. Because God is with us and God is asking us to be a part of what he's doing in this world. We often ask, God, what is your will for my life? And I'm going to challenge you. Don't ask that anymore. Ask God, is what, ask God what is your will And how can I be a part of what you've already been doing? Because God is the Alpha and the Omega. He was here before you. He will be here after you. That's God. And for us to be a part of his story is an honor. 
And I believe, yeah, and I believe that that's it. So as we, um, as we work towards next Sabbath, I know that we have been talking about this and talking about this, but next week we're going to be presenting um, a story of hope for those who maybe haven't been here before, who, who are coming to church for the first time because you keep bugging them. That's okay. We're thankful for that. <laughs> if they're your friends, they're going to be your friend afterwards. But the truth is, all we're trying to do is provide an alternative to the way things are currently. All we're trying to do is to provide what we believe is the best possible way to live, which is a life that is connected to God. We're going to just try to do our best to portray what the Scriptures show as the way, the truth, and the life. God says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We believe that that's good news. And so if you have a friend or a family member and you just want to share that with them, we invite you to come. Next week, um, we have a good praise team. You know, our praise team today is awesome. We're going to have another praise team next week that worships with us once a month. We're going to be preaching from the Scripture. We're going to have an awesome lunch afterwards. And we just, if, if you've ever wanted to invite somebody, may that be the day. We will be careful. We will be loving. We will be gentle with your friends and your family. Uh, but we will, we will paint to them a picture of what God wants for all of us. Will you pray with me? God, we are thankful that you give us the fresh word this morning. And Lord, we are thankful that um, your spirit is alive and well. And when we hear these stories in the scripture and also in our own lives, Lord, we have more and more faith because we know that you will be faithful. And so God, for my friends who are here this morning as they go out into out into the world around us, Lord, may you help them to live courageous, triumphant lives. As they approach their friends and family, Lord, may you have gotten there before as you did for us this week, and may you have worked on the hearts of our friends. That when they come here next week, Lord, that we would be able to paint them a picture of what you want. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.